to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. Welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to disaster recovery, business continuity, supply chain, crisis management, COVID, anything that helps you, your organization, or your community prepare for, plan, uh, respond to, and overcome adverse situations. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please feel free, reach out. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Alex Fullick there. So I'm really easy to find, and I do respond to everything I get. Quick uh, update, I will be speaking at the Continuity Insights Conference, April 25th to 27th in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, fingers crossed that uh, it'll be an in-person event, and then I can travel uh, to go there. I'm still unsure, but I'm really hoping to see some of you in person and uh, maybe get some of you on the show to talk about uh, things that you want to touch on. Many of you will know that uh, over the uh, many months now that I've talked about the BCI World Conference in uh, November 2021, and that I hoped to be able to get other speakers to come on the show and talk about their topics or a related topic that they wanted to touch on. And today, I'm lucky enough to have one of those speakers here today. And I'd like to introduce on the topic of resiliency in third-party arrangements for IT and ITES organizations are, and I hope I say this right, Vyadhyanathan, affectionately known as RV. RV, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, and I'm very excited to be part of the show, and uh, thank you for having me in the show. Uh, it's my pleasure to have you here. Now, I know I've got uh, your bio and I've read, uh, you know, what you do and things like that. But could you take a minute and uh, talk to our global listeners and tell us what you do and how you got into what you do? Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, if I have to probably introduce myself, I have to go back about uh, 32 years or 33 years, the overall experience that I've got it. And uh, last two decades, I've been into the risk and resilience in the domain that I'm in. It was more of a kind of a learning when I was working for one of those IT organizations where a couple of clients came back and asked about what is the disaster recovery and business continuity that you have for the organization when I was part of the IT. So I never knew anything when ABC of uh, BCDR at the time, I'm talking about in 1996 and those times. So that actually triggered me to get into this, to find out what it is. And uh, basically what I knew at that point in time was just taking a backup in a cartridge, taking the backup of that cartridge into another cartridge and putting it into another alternate location. And that was the DR, BCP, all that we knew at that point in time. So there were a few questions that were coming in from a few of the clients. Okay, if this entire facility goes off, what will you do? And if the communication fails, what will you do? So all those in terms of people competency, what will you do? All those, there's a question that was coming about, do we have that kind of preparedness at that point in time was a big question. And I was also not very clear about it. And from there, I got into this and that became my passion right from that time and got all my certifications to learn it in a structured way. And from there, getting into our large IT corporates and not just doing a day job, I also involved myself in knowledge sharing and getting with many peers within the industry and also sharing uh, the knowledge and whatever learning that the other organization could have. Because I would say BCP is all about preparedness, but definitely every incident will give you one learning or other, how well you are prepared. That's what is my experience still there. And especially when we are talking about the current pandemic stage, when you look at from the earlier incident, every incident used to give one learning or other. But I would say this pandemic 
has actually given us a lot of learnings in a lot of areas entirely across the BCM and now predominantly going back onto IT prominence that is coming up and for which the topic today which I'm talking about is something uh, supplier continuity that we're talking about. Since then, I've been into IT organizations and in between, I wanted to have my hands on other domains and industries, basically into financial and insurance industries, customs, and also in other areas of uh, uh, knowledge sharing organization or knowledge processing organization. So I got onto with a consulting organization for about three, four years, later into the certification organization with British Standard Institution. And that's where a lot of exposure that I've got into certifying many organizations in the process of what I had and what I learned is something what I am today. And currently uh, heading the uh, basic uh, governance, risk and compliance and client services uh, for a big IT corporate cognizant. And that's what, what I am today. And it's been a big passion for me. And I also have a couple of uh, the nonprofit uh, professional body, which I associated with to share the knowledge and also in speaking in various conferences that I share and I have to learn also, sir. That's what is about me shortly. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm glad to have you here. And it's interesting uh, you and I started roughly the same time, 1996. You know, oh, great. And, okay. and both fell into it we, we, you know, by, right. by accident. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So we're going to talk about supply chains today. Can you tell us you know, some of the challenges that organizations have with supply challenges right now? You know, what, what's, what's happening? The supply chain, I would say, it's not anything new as the way that we are talking about in BCM also. It is not a rocket science. It's only that the organization doesn't have a focus onto this particular area. At least that's what is my experience and my reading of the situation. So like the way the BCM, I would say it has been an eye opener for most of the people and professionals of BCM today. The one incident which would not be probably missed out was the WTC. That's the time that we knew about it. People are talking about IT, DR, redundancy on that. But what is the other part of, apart from IT, VC uh, uh, thing that need to be focused on came up from there. And by the time the organization could even stabilize on the business continuity and supplier continuity is one part of it or a supply chain is one part of it, which was not basically focused. And I would say, that is something that has come in now as an uh, learning from the current COVID, whatever that we have been seeing in the last uh, two years or so. And it's been very fragile in most of the organization because people thought as one of those risk management area, once I outsource my uh, part of uh, the support to a third party organization, it, it it's thought that the ownership has got transferred to them. It's not. I would rather say the ownership is still lying with the principal organization. I would say the accountability and only the responsibility part of it is moved into the outsource or the third party arrangement that they have. Well, what's, your, have defini they taken what's your definition of the, because you just split that up, accountability, responsibility. How do you see right. those two as being different? Uh, specifically, I have the accountability, the entire thing and ownership lies within myself is the accountability. Since I've outsourced it, I cannot just wash away my hands when that the mm -hmm. part of it has been taken to them. It's an assignment and part of it, I would have one person accountable or the one's function accountable. And responsibility is each and every areas of which what has been given to them has to be worked towards together. And the final decision authority in terms of taking it, the either um, the success and the failure is to be taken by the organization. That's the accountability I'm talking about. And the outsource organization or the third party organization cannot take that. And that's what something is one of those that has come in now because people do not even go beyond the first level of supplier. So when I say I've outsourced it, there could be sub-level of a supplier and a contractor who has been outsourced by the first level supplier. And when it goes to second level, third level, the entire supply chain, if it is not taken care, 
you're bound to fail. And that's what exactly that has happened in few experiences, whatever that I've seen in the last uh, couple of years. Do, do you think that some people, uh, organizations, let's say, uh, became involved with all of these third parties as a way to try and uh, minimize their risk and reduce their accountability? And as you were describing, is in the hopes of put it on somebody else's shoulder so it's not our fault. But to your point, that's not the way it works. No, it doesn't work that way. That's what I'm saying. So at least a periodic review or in the contract, there should have been a certain level of a review mechanism or a right to audit. Today, if you go with a smaller vendor to the biggest vendor, the big force or whatever that you call it in terms of the service providers like an organization of a telecom or something from an IT or from a data center, not everybody gives you that kind of a right to even audit them. And those are the things that was always a challenge, which I've seen in my organization where I've come through so far. And that is now coming up because the entire supplier commitment on a contractual basis. And today, even an organization which I'm working on is a supplier to our customers. So if our customers fail, our supply chain, whatever that we are doing fails, and we have our own um, outsourced party or a third party which is supporting us, if the entire supply chain is not taken care as a periodic review, and to the extent of understanding whether they have which of those critical ones that need to be supported during a real-time situation, the answer is possibly very few organizations had that focused on, especially where, again, a requirement that came in. But was it a standard practice? Was it something done proactively? The answer would be no. And uh, it was more of a reactive thing in most of the organization. Those organizations which were proactive enough were having very little impact. And I would say those organizations which probably did it uh, in a quick reaction have been able to uh, focus on agility and brought people together and also the supplier were together to manage the situation very well. And from there, a lot of improvements are coming up in terms of a, a regular way of looking at risk of supply chain, which probably wasn't earlier. They considered it not to be very important. Today, it's a high and a medium that comes in uh, so that they focus on the budgets are coming in and technology is getting deployed and a lot of people are getting in. This becomes a point of topic within the board and many of the organizations across industries. So that's what is the trend that I'm seeing today. Well, let's talk about that because you keep saying uh, supply chain. However, if I'm an organization, you know, myself, Alex Folick Incorporated, I'm only dealing with RV. What's the rest do I, I need to consider? Because I'm looking at RV as the person or the company to supply me what I need. Why do I need to consider what's beyond you? Yeah, basically, when any organization today doesn't work on their own, in fact, we are dependent. Even today, if you and me are talking, we are dependent on multiple other people who are there in between, like a conference that we are on that should be working, where the servers need to be working, the communication that I have should be working. There are many service providers in between. Or the entire service providers, of course, in this, we don't have much of a control in terms of managing it. But whatever is in my control and when I'm outsourcing certain things to the third party, mm. I can ensure which of those services are provided by them and which of those are sub-outsourced and one which they are dependent on. So when we do a business impact analysis, when the overall business country management is being planned, are they getting onto the level of supplier continuity part and on which the supplier is dependent on, dependent on another supplier, the entire chain that goes in? This was not always it. As I said earlier, it's the first level of a supplier they focus on. They don't even go into checking on any other dependency that they have. That's the supply chain I'm talking about. If there is a failure of uh, end person in the tree that is supporting a very critical services to the supplier and that supplier is dependent on the end person. If he is not able to take care of that, whatever contract that he is going to sign and with the principal organization is going to be affected and that should be taken care and that's what is now coming up as a trend. But how do you go about doing that? Because using yourself and myself as the example again, my contract is only with you. 
you will have contracts, um, as you uh, described, with other third parties uh, further down the chain that I'm not privy to, that I'm not going to see, but I'm the one asking you questions. So how do I go about trying to find that information out? Because that is, you know, there is there are so many companies these days that say you know privacy concerns or a- anything like that that you know we don't want to give you that information. Right, absolutely. But and the part of uh, BCM that we are talking about in terms of uh, taking care of a supply chain or a third party that is very much required in the sense when we do a due diligence, the questions that we put into them and the request for information that we do along with the supplier and the function that is working within the organization, there could be a contract level of a specific explicit line that could be brought in in terms of checking. There cannot be anything that is sub-outsourced, which could probably be taken, but the dependency part of supplying the service need to be taken care. So that's where you see the organization when the vendor is big and the critical vendor for the business that they have been outsourcing it, they always check the kind of a continuity mechanism and the testing that they have done and what are the dependency that they have. Need not have to ask explicitly and get into a privacy information and all those. But if they are going to take care about it, I specify a time within which I need to support. I'm probably committing a timeline to my customer and that need to percolate down into my supplier saying that I've committed this much of time that I will be up and running. And because you're supporting, this is the time within which you need to do it, which is much lesser than the time that I have probably committed to the customer. So that need to be uh, percolating down into my third party. And as long as they are prepared in terms of managing their impact, considering the dependencies and the supplier supplier, and that is taken care of. and they give a commitment yes within this timeline i can support you and we also test it and during a real time situation we see what is the learning if they are able to support it and that's a way that it goes on currently and this is there for a very long time but people do not generally uh, come forward in terms of a collaborative way of working i say this is the contract that i've given i say a kind of a 99.99 uptime percentage for whatever services that is being provided. But over a period of one year, when you look at it, even if two or three days of a downtime, if you have in a stretch, you will still be able to make up that 99.99. But on a one-time incident, if it's going to be failing for three days, your timeline to provide the service is going to get affected. So this is a different ballgame altogether. We need to talk about uh, emergency, the impact that you have. That time SLA is something to be explicitly called out in your contract going forward. You, you mentioned collaboration. So that brings up an interesting point. If I'm investigating the supply chain, am I just dealing with you or do you and I and your third parties get together to talk about? You know, Do we include I, everybody or do we you know, just you know, have little segments that we talk talk to. So I may not directly interact with a supplier, supplier and all those, as I said earlier, it's the basic, the first level supplier, the team that works on, there would be a kind of a point of contact, which I would have in the third party who will further check on all this. And I will have a due diligence done, which of those other suppliers on which you are dependent on, on this service that you're providing to us. Those are the things that will come in very clearly and I will not always go with each and every third party suppliers who are providing me service. I will identify a critical service for me. It need not have to be all the services, all the suppliers need to be available. I would identify with the kind of a criteria, which are those suppliers are critical. And based on that, I would address and the services provided by them, which are critical will be identified. And for those, what are the dependency? What are the kind of continuity that you have? Typically, from a people perspective, the competence that they would have, typically the other infrastructure and support that is required, most of them today, if you look at it, it's happening on a technology perspective. So what is the kind of connectivity that you have? And what is the redundancy in terms of a thing that you have built up? And who are all involved in the chain for you to provide the services? Something as a questionnaire, when it goes in, it's very clear. And a discussion happens over with a first level of people, but considering the information of other supply chain that they have. 
and then you bring bring that to me, right? To to make sure that my Absolutely. questions or uh, investigation, or whatever, is uh, being addressed, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what would happen finally. And I would ensure completely of those critical services for which I'm outsourcing are taken care. And I don't stop at that. I would also try to do wherever possible a kind of a simulation exercise to just simulate. This is what is the scenario. This is what is happening within what time you can do it. That could be some live exercise wherever possible if it's an IT related stuff on whatever that we're talking about. Unless awesome. at least a rehearsal is done we may not be in a position to ascertain that in a real-time situation, we will succeed. So you would recommend uh, doing a uh, either a tabletop or some sort of an exercise so we could walk ourselves through uh, a situation Absolutely. where um, RV is unable to deliver something to Alex Fullick? Absolutely, that's right. So is that, that you, you explained quite a few um, different things that you would talk about with various uh, suppliers and vendors. Is that what you call um, supply chain mapping? Yeah, basically on supply chain mapping, if we talk about, yes, the part of the chain and the dependency that we are talking about, that is where it failed during this uh, time when the COVID came in. Nobody expected that it would grow that big in the sense of complete pandemic. And for that matter, organization most of the time they were prepared up to 40%, 50% levels of absenteeism, but not to the level that we're talking about today. And that is where the complete set of uh, supply chain mapping is something that was focused on and was coming up. And that is where it failed. And now people are getting back to bring up that complete chain within the agreement and the due diligence. More and more due diligence of one in six organizations are uh, now getting on to doing uh, specific uh, due diligence uh, in the recent years. And uh, this is somewhere from the survey from a BCI I'm talking about, and 83% of the organization were mm -hmm. basically um, prepared and since now to on to the supplier quantity, focusing it on to uh, improve their supplier uh, ch uh, supply chain and supplier quantity part of it within there. Supply chain seems to have, uh, supply chain management seems to have grown over the years. I remember when it was just, uh, if you supply, RV supplies me, uh, you know, pens, fine, I'm just going to go somewhere else. It, it, it's more than that now, isn't it? it it's, you, it's, if RV, RV can't supply me pens, where are the, the pens RV is receiving is coming from? Like the whole chain behind it now, it's more than just getting a new vendor. Absolutely. I mean, that's right. I mean, specifically from a, manufacturing segment when you look at it when there's a lot of things that need to be looked at I and mean, in far east when the entire supply chain failed there have been a lot of impact during this COVID. and uh, from there there have been a lot of learning and when it became a pandemic even for a supply of the laptops for work from home many organizations faced it uh, with a difficulty and all those that were coming up uh, from a um, transaction over a consignment and all those that also need to be quarantined it further delayed it and the semiconductor industry uh, was stuck in terms of the huge production that has to be done and all those are the parts that now are getting focused on and not just one industry across industries across different things the business model itself is now changing getting digital more and more and now because of that digital and the IT getting prominence in it, all the more we need to have more such supply chain and the third party arrangement that you need to ensure so that you are continuing your business, at least for the critical ones. Today, most of the thing that comes back is a work from home. And earlier it used to be one organization. Now it has become multiple such organization back home and individuals are left to uh, manage their own risks. Uh, in terms of my connectivity, which is coming now, it's not a corporate connectivity anymore. It's my own connectivity, be it at reimbursing and all those money that could be given. But still, at the end of the day, I own it and I need to ensure. And what is the kind of a mechanism for a power failure that I manage? Do I have a UPS? And again, there comes a supplier who needs to be available within locally. And if a travel restriction is there, how are we going to solve that out? All these are something that need to be thought about. And the entire thing comes in as a holistic planning, not just only from one outsourced third party. And on that note, we've come to the end of our first segment. Today, we are talking with our, uh, they, I want to make sure I get this right, because I, I want to say the whole thing. Vaidya Nadan. Vaidya Nadan.
There you you said it for me. <laughs> Affectionately yeah, known right. as Armenia. And, <laughs> sure, yeah, that's right. We got that's to much better. Of, <laughs> <laughs> we got to the end of our first segment, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fulick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back. We are talking today with RV about supply chain uh, management. RV, great information in the first segment there. I just wanted to follow up on a question. Um, you were talking about the supply chain and uh, many organizations experiencing struggles right now with that. How do we go about getting some of this information that we're looking for when we're all in the same boat? Because it's one way for me, let's say, to approach RV and say, uh, you know, what are your suppliers? What are you doing? But everybody's in that same boat. So how do you go about doing this? See, as again, going back, Amanda, when we talk about any such process or a program that need to be established, I mean, there need to be a very clear policy. So when we talk about a third party risk management, I mean, the risk is something we need to identify. So typically from a continuity management, we focus on the risk that is getting addressed and also a three tier that comes in. One is the reduce mechanism through a risk control that you put in place. Another one is a response mechanism when actually the incident is happening and the recovery part that comes in. So how are we going to address this first level of a reduced mechanism through a very clear third-party risk management policy? So it's that you just say, what is that we are going to do, which is uh, very important for the organization out of the businesses and services and the third party that they are engaging in, who are those third party and what are the criteria with which basically uh, they need to ensure and uh, um, identify the third party as a critical third party service providers and all those need to be coming up very clearly and along with a very clear accountability roles and responsibility need to be coming out within the policy. And this has to be further disseminated within different teams within the organization and for a particular business and a service to be provided. If you have five different suppliers, who are key for the organization, whether you have ensured those suppliers continuity through a due diligence. That also due diligence process is very important to be 
brought in as a part of the policy and one of the important things is they need to also know about what is the requirement of this organization which is providing services to the customers and what is the role that they need to play to support this organization to deliver that to the customer depending upon in which business and which industry are they in these are something very minimal that we need to start off with and that's what is now coming up in most of the organization and uh, without a very clear awareness of the supply chain on a structured understanding it's going to be very difficult and even those in the supply chain need to understand the entire stuff of it in terms of the time that within which the rtos the recovery time objectives and all those the organization is committing so education is one important thing that need to be coming up and once after that is done the final thing in terms of the governance and auditing them a right to audit for them or this general thing that need to be probably focused on in a very clear policy and uh, on a periodic basis it has to be reported both back to the respective suppliers and back to the organization's uh, specific function which manages this entire third party agreement what if somebody doesn't want to uh, respond to some of your your questions and, and you know give you information because they cite uh, you know audit concerns or compliance concerns or privacy standard concerns you know what what should i do if someone turns around and says that to me right i mean we need to definitely uh, value the privacy part of it because that's one other part that every organization need to focus on and if there is a privacy information that is involved in terms of this entire third party arrangement and uh, information that you're seeking there can very well be a point of a commitment that a timeline within which you are doing what are the risk involved what is the time within which you can provide service to that extent we can have the agreement signed so that at the end of the day we have our services taken i'm not bothered about what is the other information who is their supplier and what is the information about supplier that i need and all those but as far as you are taking care of that and give a commitment i will take care of this support or services that i'm providing to you within this time if i sign it it's fine but not all the vendors as you said not all the suppliers do that not just only for the sake of privacy because there could be certain organization which do not have a very clear continuity management program or a risk and a impact analysis that is done for you to get that commitment from them and that they try to rather pick up in my experience i have seen they bring up with privacy they bring up with a lot of information that cannot be shared and all those but at the end of the day i think my concern to get the service is to check on the timeline within which i need to deliver the services to my customer if that i am ensuring without the information privacy whatever compromise or I mean, compromise that i have to do it i can still go on with it so i guess that addresses my next question because i was going to ask what if we're following two different uh standards you know i'm following iso 12345 and you're following iso standard uh, 34567 you know we it, it, it there is ways around that right so i uh, to me if i look at it man the at the end of the day, the process or a program remain same the controls whatever we are talking about is going to be the same risk assessment the impact analysis the support the third party arrangement the entire supply chain the concept remains the same but the standard may come with a specification of the standard doesn't always tell you the methodology in which that you are doing it just says that you need to have a robust supply continuity program in place or the interested parties are also in your line of continuity management that you are fixing it those are the things that comes in so irrespective of any standard that comes in unless at least it's a guideline there could be a change of doing it man some even a debate that goes on generally in the bcm even after two decades or three decades of it's coming into existence which has to be done first risk assessment or a business impact analysis so people keep changing it so that's okay anytime you can do it either do it first there do it next year and certain standard says you do the bia first and then do the risk assessment because mm-hmm. you don't have to spend a lot of time for all the critical activities so here again in supply chain if you look at it the entire concept remains the same but the standard might ask for certain one or two three documents extra more governance and all those 
that is something we need to focus on if we have to get certified otherwise without a certification also there can be a robust supply chain mechanism or a third party uh, arrangements that can be robust and the organization can really survive during a real time situation so i'm i'm thinking as you were talking that it's more of make sure that they can address the what how they do it is up to them i don't have to tell them you know how you do this it, as long as i get the the end result that i'm looking for that's all that matters right i think you nailed it man that's the right thing to do it man in terms of understanding and at the end of the day again for my industry for my business which is right is something i need to do it for certain businesses you need not have to have a stringent contracts and a timeline they could probably wait for 3 days but for certain situation like a telecom or something on a online trading they cannot afford to even have a shorter down period downtime period whatever that they could have it so those areas the methodology the control in terms of having a arrangement with a third party differs but that's where the how is based on the organization's objective and the kind of outsourcing to the extent that they have done how long does this take to do a uh, an assessment of your entire supply chain and that that's part one part two is how often do i need to do it okay so it depends upon the number of suppliers that you have and the kind of a chain that you have within the service that i have been provided till the last person in the supply chain tree so that would decide the kind of a depth and what is the coverage and all that's where i said a policy and a overall program that need to be brought for a smaller organization with lesser suppliers you may probably end up doing it in just 6 months to start off right from scratch and to complete it and coverage of whatever that you need to take it but for a bigger large corporate globally and also to look at the kind of a uh suppliers and i know of organization which still have about uh, 12000 13000 different suppliers across the globe but not all going to be a critical supplier that's where the criteria that comes in very clearly as to who are the critical suppliers so what are those criteria it could be a single point of failure of a one location specific vendor or a supplier who is available they are not globally present and every time today in the travel restrictions a supplier cannot even travel and they should have arrangements with other people across the globe to provide the service and if when we sort of looking at that particular supplier as a critical supplier then we need to have a criteria very clearly this supplier is very critical because he is just a single vendor and also the service provided it could be a monopoly but still do they have some kind of a franchisee to provide your services is something you can look at and multiple locations is something that's required however close that they are they can get the services immediately and whether their franchisee is also competent enough as the principal supplier who they have outsourced further all those are things that comes in in the education part which i was talking about that need to be looked into wherein we would have to probably focus on and take it up so uh, coming back to your question the answer is depending upon the number of suppliers and the criticality of the suppliers the kind of business it varies and what was your second question on that well, the the part two is how often do i do this because your the answer to your first one okay. is that it could be let's say up to 6 months yeah. so does that mean i do right. it again in 6 months or Well, yeah so as uh, specifically in terms of establishing it if uh, depending upon the organization size and all those in terms of the uh, supplier responding back to you in time and all those is something that is also going to come in and their implementation back in their organization is also biggest one that we are looking at so having said that the kind of frequency could be you can decide the rate and change of the number of suppliers and the kind of services that they are providing which critical and they also have multiple moving areas in terms of the people moving in quite frequently from the supplier when they have the competence that comes in so as far as the uh, frequency is concerned i mean it comes from the policy which i said the policy will be made based on the size of organization and the number of suppliers and whatever that you look at it typically it could be a annual refresher of a large organization when you're talking about if it's a smaller organization you can do it once in 6 months and all those 
but even to complete the entire cycle when they started afresh now it might take about a year and a half and that could be the first effort that can be put in and later they could start off with initial 6 months and then get on with one year so once there's a stabilizing uh, annual um, change or a review could be a one uh, thing that can be addressed in the policy and the other part is any supplier change supplier could have been um, getting an acquisition into another company or some significant change in the original status quo to something that changes then that would be a trigger need not have to wait for a one year or a six months as per the cycle but any significant change or they have multiple other outsourcing they are been bought out or they have multiple other dependencies and sub outsourcing that happens then there is a need for you to revisit on that and your due diligence again starts and because the information changes so that's something that could be done on a significant changes so there is an opportunity to embed some of this into the organizational um operational activities like project management offices when a a merger acquisition using your example happens to actually make this assessment part of the the project right absolutely and uh, uh, when you look at uh, the even the merger acquisition anything happens with my uh, outsource party I and mean, this need to be probably a communication is very much important between the supplier there should be a supplier periodic supplier review meet and a performance management uh, all those that need to be uh, as part of the policy and to be executed with a better governance uh today i would rather say not many organization have a very clear governance with a clear accountability at one function because it left to the individual functions in general but a holistic picture will be coming in now with a technology that is being deployed and uh, more and more into tools and uh, how it can be automated with the alerts and other thing that comes in and the supplier themselves are allowed to log in uh, with a secure way of doing it and what is that that need to be done and in a real time situation incidents are also managed the same way and all those are coming up so i think that's the uh, way forward that we are looking at and from now to next 3 years 4 years i think this will be the buzzword uh, when we were talking about initially a bcm then a organization resilience i think among that this uh, third party arrangements and the supply chain would be the biggest one based on the learning that we had from the pandemic but yeah i agree with you because there are so many um you know we're seeing pictures we're hearing all kinds of um stories on the news of empty shelves you know we can't build these cars anymore because we need parts that come from the other side of the world you know that we're wearing so much about it we don't learn about this um who knows what the future is going to look like but uh, i'm i'm wondering what if i'm in an organization out for like we already have a supply chain management process in place but it's not as effective as it should be how can i enhance it how do i make it better what are some of the things um uh as, as you talk about you know enhance the third party arrangements what are some of the things that i can do see um typically from any of those management system that you have there is a continuous improvement as a process it could be because of something like a incident that we had or it could be based on an audit that is being done back by the organization based on a self assessment where we stand and a typical competitor where they stand as something that could be probably a starting point but specifically from a risk and opportunity what are those that is there now and it it normally is a tendency of organization and people now that we are talking about supposing the pandemic is over and uh, this is gone and some other incident triggers some other area that is forgotten so this supply chain comes to a point and okay they say i'm fine and no problem the next time when it comes in i can look at it it should not be the scenario as i said it has to be an ongoing thing and risk and opportunities when you are actually conducting a risk assessment every year or every 6 months whatever be the duration this also needs to be part of that overall embedding thing within the risk assessment as part of your business continuity and then it becomes easier for us then especially focusing on the single points of failure that's something very very important because that's what we are now looking at and now within the new model the new normal or whatever that we are calling it 
there are a lot of such things that comes up. And today, if my laptop fails while I'm talking or something, and how quick I can fix it up. I need to go back to office or something, and there are organizations which have, have an arrangement with local vendor, or they have a break-fix van to fix up immediately with whatever. When I call up and uh, they probably set out people to fix my laptop, it's the first thing that they can be setting it up uh, within uh, my house itself. Otherwise, they have a replacement standby provider, transfer all the data, and over a cloud that we are working, the laptop taken back. So these kind of things are certain things coming up. And what is the kind of a mechanism if the entire supply chain that fails? It has to be not just only from the principal organization, as I said, the requirement for organizations need to get certified through the supply chain. So if I'm certified for uh, ISO, is that enough? Or the supplier's organization is also going to do it, then I can probably demand them, why can't you get certified? I mean, that also goes in. That's a trend I've seen earlier, but now it's going to catch up as my uh, reading of the situation. And by that, it goes in, and by organization, due diligence also will have questioners of asking about a certification of ISO and specific. But people still feel... Yeah, my organization was ISO certified, but it depends on the effectiveness within which it is done. It's not just going to be a tick list. Though I have a checklist, I just do a tick and that becomes a tick list. It should be done in terms of effectiveness, how effective I am. So yes, the organization said the supplier continuity, whatever that they have, they can provide within this timeline. But it's my responsibility or accountability to go and check what are the kind of a thing that they do a due diligence or uh, right to audit, I go there and visit them and find out or be part of their exercise when they are conducting it. All those are certain things that we can probably bring it. And this is not the only limited point that I'm talking about. There could be many other depending upon many different industries as the way that they are looking at. A lot of creativity and innovations are required. Uh, investment that we have today and whatever it's going to, going to be just a thought process that is there. It's going to be out of box thinking something that you do differently are the one that would help you to be effective. So those are the ones that we need to do. And the third party disruption from their side and a communication back into the organization need to come in very quickly. Communication is a challenge. If even the supplier fails on certain areas, how frequently or how soon they are able to communicate back to the principal organization. It doesn't happen because they don't want to come back with a negative information that I'm not able to provide service. They try to fix it up and come back. But nevertheless, there can be a contract within that failure. You need to intimate the organization within such and such time. There's something that could also be brought in as part of the contract. Contract can be made stringent as far as the mutual relationship is there and all those, and uh, it's being taken care. But still, we have across the globe, there are challenges where suppliers, third parties do not sign for certain requirements on SLAs or a timeline within to be done, but that's an ongoing thing. Otherwise, you and me will not have a, a work to do. I mean, if everything goes on smoothly. So these are the point that comes in right away and look uh, compliant for third party agreement always. And the periodicity that we are talking about is the one that would help organization to be robust in this uh, third party arrangements, specifically with my uh, limited knowledge and experience that I have I've shared today. And I think uh, it would be useful for many of those who are coming up and to the organization which are gearing up for the supplier continuity and supply chain in the ITITS industries specifically. Well, we've only, we've only got about three minutes left, but uh, you mentioned something that uh, caught my attention. Um, you can't do the supply chain management assessment in a silo, because you mentioned BCM, risk group, vendor management, and a couple of others, that to do it properly, you've got to work together, right? Absolutely. That is what is the point I was mentioning. When a governance part that comes, the risk assessment that is done, it could come up with a kind of a gap in one of those supplier area, the dependency that we would have. You need to connect the dots. It can come from different areas. So when we have that many information coming from different aspects of it, the country improvement will have to be a very clear from a correction, corrective action based on the incident it could come in, based on the external audit it could come in. That's what I said. From all those spaces, you need to probably do it. An assessment has to happen with all the critical suppliers. That doesn't mean you leave out the non-critical one because the critical and non-critical is just probably a demarcation between the timeline only. Today, if it does not happen the next two days, the non-critical supplies also become uh, critical. 
So we need to be very careful about it and try and take it with a holistic way of approaching it for effectiveness. Right. And on that note, we've come to the end of the show. RV, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and time with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thanks for the opportunity given to me and uh, have a nice evening. My pleasure. Um, you gave a lot of uh, information about uh, supply chain management and you're right. This is going to be a big thing over the next uh, year or two and maybe even longer. Who knows? Because yeah, after some of these assessments are done, we may find that uh, we don't want to do business with some uh, some organizations, you know, because they're they're just not meeting our needs you know, the way we thought they would. That happens. Yeah. That happened. That's where I said the due diligence comes in very clear. That's where many of the organizations started doing it because they want to be sure they don't want to take a headache of some organization failing down the line. So at a due diligence stage, they do it, check everything, and then take it up so that they work as a partner together and deliver to the customers accordingly. That's yeah. it. So thank you so much, RV. I really appreciate it. And everybody watching and listening, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you here next week.